into these uh, verses of scripture. Some of you uh, that um, may not be familiar with uh, um, these scriptures, so we'll read them again. Ephesians chapter 4. So let's read. I haven't even gotten to the other one, other ones, but we will today. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's start with uh, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Amen. So uh, again, we need to walk worthy of the job that God has called us to do. What does that mean? Well, uh, some people think that means cut way back on the sin. Well, it does. <laughs> if you're going to, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to go into doing what the Lord called you to do only to jack it up by bringing uh, reproach on the Lord. So you definitely want to walk worthy and you want to, you want to, you want to uh, um, endeavor to live a set apart life. You really want to be a Christian. If you're a Christian, you really want to, <laughs> you really want to act like it. <laughs> like all the time, not just sometimes, all the time. Uh, it, it ought to, you, you ought to, you ought to, it ought to be in you. Amen. So anyway, walk worthy of the calling wherewith you're called, or walk worthy of the uh, job that you've been called to do with all lowliness, and we covered this yesterday, with all lowliness, meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as you are called into one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us, say every one of us. So that includes you, right? Unto every one of us has been given grace, unmerited favor, or you could say it this way. Unto every one of us has been given authority or anointing or in a supernatural spiritual endowments. You know, every one of you ought to be functioning and flowing in the Holy Ghost. Every one of you ought to have demonstrations and manifestations of the power of God's Spirit uh, in and through your life. Amen. Amen. And so if you, if you don't have that, and if it's, if, that, if it's not something, in fact, not only should you have that in your life, but according to some of these other verses that we're going to read, th these, 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 these things ought to occur uh, regularly in the, in the life of the believer. We, we ought to function and flow in the supernatural. Now, I'm not saying miracles are common because they're not. But uh, I think sometimes we confuse the spectacular for the supernatural. And the supernatural isn't always spectacular. And the spectacular isn't always supernatural. And so uh, we want to we make sure that we don't miss out on the supernatural because we're looking for the spectacular. And we definitely want to make sure that if we're witnessing something spectacular, that it uh, truly is a supernatural, if it's, if, especially if it's in church. You know, lots, lots of stuff going on in the body of Christ today. But anyway, um, wherefore he saith when he ascended on high, ooh, this is the farthest we've gotten. Uh, when he ascended on high, he led cap captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. So who's this talking about? He led captivity captive. Who's that talking about? Is that talking about um, uh, Johnny Appleseed? It's talking about Jesus, right? He led captivity captive. 
So these gifts that we're given, these, these gifts that these uh, coming scriptures are, are talking about, it's talking about gifts that Jesus gave. Now, there are three different categories of gifts. The gifts of the Father, or what some people call motivational gifts that are uh, talked about in Romans chapter 12. There are the gifts of the Spirit that are outlined in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And then there are these ministry gifts, um, uh, what we call five-fold ministry gifts, or you could call them the gifts of the Son because Jesus gave these gifts. When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and Jesus gave gifts unto men. Who did he give these gifts to? He gave gifts unto men, yes, unto us. Now, uh, here's, what you, uh, here's, here's uh, another thing that I want to make sure that we understand. These gifts aren't just these ambiguous, you know, kind of floaty, you know, cloudy, uh, puffy things that float about with no. Uh, these gifts rest upon and in the lives of men. And so God uses men. If you have a problem with people, because some people are like, well, we don't need to put anybody on a pedestal. Listen, we don't have to. The Lord will. Amen. Do you know God elevates people? Right. In fact, the Bible tells us this. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may do what? Exalt you. Amen. In due season or in due time. So, you know, a lot of times we, we get bent out of shape because we're like, well, you know, it's, I know some of you have probably dealt with this. Uh, you'll, you'll, go, you'll go to people, you'll say, well, you know, Pastor Ziggy said, and, and people will say this, well, it's not about a man. Well, it kind of is. It kind of is. It's kind of about a lot of men. Because he, he led captivity captive. He, di he didn't give gifts unto geese. Or cows. He gave gifts unto men. Amen. I know I'm going to just be real basic here, but some of you need to get the fundamentals. Amen. Verse 9 says, now that he ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first into lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended far above all heaven that he might fill all things. And here's the gifts that he gave. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And so uh, now we, we, uh, we'll just keep reading here. Uh, here's why he gave those gifts for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, or in other words, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So these gifts were given for the perfecting of the saints, uh, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the saints or the body of Christ. Until uh, uh, when? How do we know these gifts are? You know, some people say, well, the gift of the apostle has passed away. Has it? Because according to this, to, according to this scripture, it says, it says the, the, the gift of the apostle was given for the perfecting of the saints, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, for the edification of the body of Christ. Uh, for how long? Well, until we all come in the unity of the faith. Well, you know what? We've still not yet all come to the unity of the faith. So I reckon these gifts are still in operation. Amen. 
Every one of them. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors. We've not come into the unity of the faith. So I think it's safe for us to assume because we've not come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of God. Because we've not come there, then we still need ministry gifts. Every one of them. And so these ministry gifts still work because those, ministry, those uh, things that need to be worked out in us are still being worked out unto a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him and all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body and the edifying of itself in love. Amen. And so those are ministry gifts. Now we've, we've established that not everyone is called to function as an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. In fact, if we look at Scripture, uh, people that functioned in those offices were, uh, it, it wasn't, it wasn't commonplace, or in other words, there weren't a lot of people throughout, throughout Scripture that functioned in those offices. In fact, it was, it was a rarity for someone to carry those gifts. And to be honest with you, it's still a rarity. I don't know why people want to uh, give everyone the title of pastor. You know, we got people that are worship pastors. Well, you know what? You can't be a worship pastor because that's not scriptural. There are no worship pastors. There are no uh, pastoral care pastors. There are, th th these things don't exist in, in Scripture. There are people that lead worship, but those people function in the ministry of helps. They're not fivefold ministry gifts. And so those fivefold ministry, so what is it that differs between fivefold ministry gifts and other, and other functions in the body? For example, deacons. Is the, uh, 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 I think I think Scripture is clear that when we talk about fivefold ministry gifts, fivefold ministry gifts are of greater importance and carry a greater authority than those that carry the gift of a deacon. Does that does that make now? Because some people are like, well, I don't, I don't I don't I don't agree with that. Well, I mean that's it's Scripture. It's what, the, it's what the Bible teaches us. In fact, the Bible differentiates between elders or, or bishops. The, the Bible calls them bishops. Or you know what a bishop is? A bishop is an overseer. I know it's a fancy title that men give to somebody to honor them, but actually those that stand in fivefold ministry offices, they're bishops. And then in the same verses of Scripture, it gives the qualification of deacons. Joe, will you pull those Scriptures up? You can do a concordance search up there, can't you? Will you pull those scriptures up? Um, I might could find it before you or somebody else might could. Let's, let's look at that because I think it's important. Now, why in the world when I do a search for Bishop on the Bible app, does it say Bishop T.D. Jakes? I know he's not in this Bible. I should have I should have selected Bishop T.D. Jakes and see what came up. <laughs> All right, First Timothy chapter three. First Timothy chapter three. So we're we're talking about discovering your 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 God given purpose, 
Discovering your God-given purpose. If you're going to discover your God-given purpose, you have to, you have to find out what the nature of, of the call and the grace uh, is that God put upon your life. Has he called you to five-fold ministry? Are you, are you supposed to stand in a ministry office? Uh, we, we talked about that already. I can't go over that again. Uh, we talked about that. If you, if you didn't hear it, uh, listen to it on, on, the, uh, on, the, um, on the app, on the Winter's Church app or on our podcast. But look what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop or an overseer, or really a bishop is someone, anyone who carries a five-fold ministry office gift is a bishop. They're, they give oversight. All right? But here's the qualification. There are qualifications to be in ministry. Imagine that. You can't just live some haphazard life and expect to do ministry. I mean, you could. There's a lot of people doing it right now. But you're, you're, the, 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 the measure of success that you have is going to be extremely limited. Unless, the, unless you're a really good marketer. But anyway... So this is a true saying, if man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior. Amen. Did you hear that? Husband of one wife, vigilant. What's that word vigilant mean? Does anybody know? Hmm? Watchful? Come on, can we, let me look at the Amplified, see how it says it. Um, Amplified calls it circumspect. Circumspect. English Standard Version says this, sober-minded. What was that? Say it, say it real loud. Oh, okay. Someone give her a microphone. Careful, watchful for possible danger and difficulties. Oh, amen. That, yeah, that's that's what that's that that's what that is. Above reproach. Yes, in the English Standard Version, be above reproach. So here's, here's what it's saying. Live a life where you're mindful of the fact that people are going to be looking at you. Here, here's, what, here's, what, here's what you can't say in ministry. Look at me, y'all. If you're called to five-fold if you're called to a five-fold ministry office, if you're called to the office of a or or the calling of a bishop, if you're gonna give oversight, if you're gonna carry that kind of a, a responsibility, um, here's 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 a statement that you can't make. I don't care what anybody thinks. Because that's not being vigilant. That's not being circumspect. <laughs> Only God can judge me. No, that's not really true. Everybody's going to judge you. Ever, whether you like it or not. They're going to judge you by your hair. They're going to judge you by your uh, demeanor. They're going to judge you by your clothing. They're going to judge you by what car you drive, but why, by what neighborhood you live in. They're going to judge you by the color of your skin. They're going to, they're going to judge you by the sound of your voice. You're going to be judged. And 
The thing is, is that if God's called you to be a leader, you've got to consider what other people think, especially those that he's called you to lead. Because if you're acting in a, in a manner or you uh, hold yourself or behave yourself in a manner that turns those people off that God is trying to get you to lead, then guess what? You're not really a leader. Amen. And so you have to work to make adjustments to ensure that you're developing uh, in a way that will attract the audience that God wants you to reach. Amen. We talked a little bit about this yesterday. Uh, we talked about it after church, Charlie. Uh, T.L. Osborne was much like Reinhard Bonnke. He, he didn't have a ministry to people in this nation. That, that wasn't the way that he uh, molded his life to try to minister to people in the United States. They were called to minister to, to other people in other nations. And so they didn't have to um, adjust their life to be successful in ministering here in America. You know, you, it, uh, uh, one of the things that I find is happening in the body of Christ today is that people are trying to they're trying to glean from everyone, uh, uh, from every kind of ministry about every subject in the Bible. They're trying to, they're trying, I think, I think we believe that if we know about everything that the Word teaches, that somehow or another that makes us a well-rounded Christian. The reality is, is that we need to be off-center. We need to be lopsided. We need to be off-balance, every one of us. We need to lean more toward what God's called us to than anything else. So when people get around us, they get, they, they get a heavy dose of whatever it is that God's called us to. You know, one of the things that people told me was, you need balance. Do you know why they told me I need balance? Because I leaned into the Spirit and the things of the Spirit and walking after the Holy Ghost. And they're like, you just need to... Here's the thing. I understood... I understood what they were saying, but did I really need balance or did they need to hear what I was saying? Did they need to open up to the things that I was, uh, that, that a God was trying to present through me? Did I need to become, um, amen. See, I was trying to lead people in a I was trying to lead the, those that God had called me to lead. I was trying to get them to follow me into the ways of the Spirit. Yes. And I understand, listen, I understand, I understand that there's some people that are not going to go that direction. There's people that walk into this church. They're not going to go in that direction. Um, they, uh, some people think they want to they walk after the Spirit until they, hear, uh, until they hear me talk like this. You have to live a, uh, a set-apart life. You have to care about what people think. You can't be flakier than a two-crust pie. Because if you're flakier than a two-crust pie, ain't nobody going to listen to you anyhow. And if nobody's going to listen to you, why would, God, why would God talk through? See, that's the thing that we don't understand. Why in, the world would the, why in the world would the Lord anoint us to heal the sick when he can't get us to leave the house? Like, Lord, I want to heal the sick. You won't even go to the hospital on Friday, every other Friday. You know, if you want to heal the sick, you got to go around. If you're going to minister healing to sick people, you have to get around sick people. They're not going to congregate at your house. 
Yeah. So there are certain things that we have. That, that, that's, that's walking worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. That's walking worthy of the job that God called you to, to do. We got a bunch of people like to talk about raising the dead. But you know what? I've never, I've never been to the funeral home and seen a bunch of cars with Life Church bumper stickers, with uh, the Gate bumper stickers, with Winners Church bumper. I've never seen. In fact, I've never seen cars sitting at the funeral home or at the uh, at the mortuary or anything like that, where uh, that said, "I love my church." You know, God is my God is my co-pilot. Uh, take the, Jesus, take the wheel, you know, whatever, you know, all these things. Um, I've, I've, in fact, I've never seen Christians hang out where dead people are at at all. So you, you get a bunch of people, you get a preacher up talking about raising the dead and you have about 10,000 people shouting about it, but 10,000, uh, those, none of those 10,000 people go, to, go and position themselves in a place where it becomes possible then for them to do what they've been hearing preached. It is. And now, I'm not, I'm not saying this because I'm trying to get you all. You understand? I'm not rebuking. This isn't a rebuke. It's just, th th this, is a, this is a lot of the reason why, um, this is a lot of the reason why, uh, It's hard to hear the truth. We'd rather have pep rallies. But at some point, someone's got to practice. Someone's got to do something to win. All right. Praise the Lord. Amen. Any questions about that? <laughs> and that was just the first qualification. Well, second. So husband of one wife. Go, can you put it up in the English Standard Version, Joe, that first Timothy scripture? Chapter three. Husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. That means everyone who's in ministry ought to be able to preach or teach the word of God. You know, the primary, the primary qualification for an evangelist is not that they be able to heal the sick. The, the, primary, the primary thing that ought to work in the life of anyone who's called to ministry is they need to be a preacher or a teacher of the word of God. If they can't preach or teach their way out of a paper bag, they're not anointed to do the work of the ministry, period. You're not called to ministry if you can't. If, if you can't preach or teach your way out of a paper bag, you're not called to ministry. Five-fold ministry. Not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Now, now let me tell you something. There will be things in this list that people struggle with from time to time. But these are the things that you will work toward if God has called you to ministry. Because if he can't manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? 
Verse 6, look what it says. He must, be, he must not be a recent convert. In other words, five people who function in, fivefold, in a five-fold ministry office, they can't be a new believer. And it tells us why. Or he may be, become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace and into the snare of the devil. Boy, that's a lot of crazy qualifications, isn't it? Notice how none of them say he must, he must uh, heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead, prophesy. <laughs> In fact, all these things have to do with character. <laughs> <laughs> now, deacons. Um, what is a deacon? A deacon would fall, wouldn't fall into the category of ministry gifts. A deacon would fall into the category of the minister, uh, uh, the gift of helps or a ministry of a helps ministry. So, um, a helps ministry are, are ministries and gifts that are supportive. They're supportive gifts, they support. They come alongside ministry gifts to help them to fulfill the purpose that God uh, put in uh, those ministry offices. So deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy or dishonest gain, um, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons. If they prove themselves blameless, their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober. Look at that. To be a deacon, even your wife has to be straightened out. Imagine that. <laughs> or your husbands. Uh, not slanderers, but so. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> But sober-minded, faithful in all things, let deacons each be the husband of one wife, man managing their children and their household well. For those who serve well as deacons gain good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Now, did you notice that there, was, um, there were a couple of things that were different between the qualifications of... Uh, a bishop or an overseer and the qualifications of deacons. Ministry gifts have to be able to preach and teach the word. Why? Because they establish, they establish doctrine. They establish doctrine in the church. They establish um, a foundation of the word of God. Uh, and uh, y'all know what I mean by that, right? They, 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 uh, they preach things and establish things that we follow. Not that they make things up. We get it out of the Bible. But for, for example, you know, Ted's not going to get up here and establish the direction that this church is going to go. Only those that are, uh, carry ministry gifts will do that. And I'll do that. Pastor Annie will do that. Tyler will do that. Miss Rhonda, who is an elder, who is an overseer, who ha carries a ministry office, she'll do that. Amen. Sheree will do that from time to time, if that's how the Lord leads. Uh, those that have ministry gift offices. Now, you know who won't do that? 
Gabe won't do well. Gabe, because he's received the call, he may do that, but he won't do that as he's doing his gift of, of leading worship. Worship, people who lead worship don't typically establish doctrine. Of course, in the modern day church, that's what we find them doing, which is why a lot of churches end up in the ditch when their, when their worship pastor runs off with the church secretary. Or they come out and say, um, I'm, I'm, I, I, you know, he's, he's a male, and he, he comes out and says, I really identify as a woman. Or you, or you, or you find out, like I have found out, that um, there's lots of people, uh, and I think it's the nature of the gift or the, it, it, the, the way the gift works. Um, I think I've told this to the worship team. I'm not sure I've told you all this. Um, in this kind of setting. But you know, people who are gifted in the art, with, with, in the, within the arts, like people who are, uh, maybe, maybe the Lord, and, and we don't hear much about this, but maybe the Lord has anointed you for uh, dancing, <laughs> which is possible. And that, 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 that falls into the category of what people would say is the arts. Or God has, God has anointed you with music and worship. Those, those gifts that, that have to do with the arts, music. Do you know why musicians are, and maybe, maybe some of you don't know this, but musicians are very temperamental. Yeah. Musicians are very hard people to sometimes to deal with because they're, they, they're very emotional and they're very given to that side of themselves. Well, the reason why is because the nature of the gift of that gift, that, that, that worship gift, um, for worshipers to really worship God in the way he intends for them to, you have to rely upon your, something that's in, not just in your spirit, but in your soul. And your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so some giftings rely upon the soul more than others. And so worship, worship, praise and worship uh, ministers and ministries, many of them will, will struggle with um, things that have to do in that realm of emotions. That, that's why sometimes you can come to a worship practice and you find that people are on edge emotionally, very passionate and very emotional about what's happening within the worship team. And people that don't understand that and don't know that, they'll come in and they'll be like, y'all are in the flesh. Well, you know what? God didn't just create us spirit only. You are a spirit, but he created you spirit, soul, and body. Do you know why? Because for you to do what God has called you to do, you're going to have to rely on all three. And you're going to have to develop all three, spirit, soul and body. If all you ever do is develop your spirit, you, you might get along all right, but you better develop your soul as well. And so um, when, when people like people who are called to praise and worship, that is a, that is a helps ministry. That isn't a, an, a ministry that establishes doctrine. It's a ministry that comes and sets the atmosphere uh, for those that carry ministry gifts. In fact, when you look in the Old Testament, um, 
the prophet was, there was some kings that needed a word from God. And they said, let's go to the prophet. I know this prophet and he'll, he'll prophesy and he'll give, us a, he'll give us the word of the Lord. And so they went to the prophet. And when they got there, they said, man, we need a word from God. And the prophet was a little bit uh, miffed because he's like, you know what? You don't even like God. I don't even know why I'm talking to you. And uh, I'm paraphrasing it. This is a Ziggy-fied version. But anyway, um, so the prophet decides that he's going to go ahead and he's going to inquire of the Lord if there's a word from the Lord. But before he does, he said this. He says, a call for a minstrel. Get me a musician. Have him play me a song. Because, because uh, the, uh, uh, the, the worship, praise and worship is a supportive gift. Praise and worship can sometimes stir up the anointing that's in a ministry gift office, someone who carries the anointing for ministry. That's, that's why if you go to a Benny Hinn meeting, you're going to have three and a half hours of worship. Because worship is essential in the stirring up of the anointing that Benny Hinn functions in and operates in to minister healing to the sick and to function in that office of an evangelist. Are y'all are y'all hearing this? And so we see we see that in we see that in in, in scripture where uh, musicians and and people that function in that that office and have those gifts those. Uh, what we would call, what men would call gifts that, that function in the gifts of the arts are extremely important to the body, but they are not to establish doctrine. And I think, I think a lot of the reason why is because to establish doctrine, you can't lean over there in the realm of your soul too much. You have to really rely upon the spirit. You can't establish doctrine based on emotion. You have, to, you have to establish doctrine based on the truth of God's word, based on the word of God. And you know what? Sometimes, uh, and I tell you this all the time, Bible says you know the truth, the truth will make you free, but I found out the truth will make you mad first. And if you can get over being mad, it'll make you free. So if you're gonna if you're gonna establish that, you got you gotta get away from. So me as a minister, do you know I have to be careful not to get over into the realm of emotions? Do you know why? Because if I get over into the realm of the of emotions, I might minister to you angry. And I'm not gonna be effective ministering to you out of anger. Amen. You might hurt my feelings, and I might, I might get up and have to preach about you if I lean too much on my emotions. Listen, I'm going I'm to tell you all something. Anytime you see a preacher, any of y'all ever see the, the video of that preacher that he started calling people out, and he said, you're the sorriest member I've got. He began to call people down. He began to yell at people. And you back there in the sound booth, we're going to have a talk after this. You're not going to be meeting back there in the sound room and in the media room while I'm up here preaching. And he says, and, and you, you ought to you, wake up. Somebody wake him up. No, no, not you, Don. I'm not talking about you, Don. How you talking about Don? Don, Don heard that while he was sleeping, so he stood up and woke up. I wasn't talking about, I'm talking about this preacher. <clears throat> but that's, that's what this guy said. And then he began to, he began to, uh, now what he was saying was right. What he was saying was right. 
Everything that he was telling the people while he was doing this was right. But guess what? He, he shouldn't have been off in his... God, see, as, as a ministry gift, as, a, as, an over, as an overseer, as a bishop, as one who establishes doctrine, I can't allow myself to be moved by emotions. That, that's, that's why I don't vote in, 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 uh, in uh, any election. Because for me to vote in any election, my feelings are going to get involved. And I can't, I can't rely on my feelings. I have to rely on what the Word of God says. Some people, the only reason they'll vote for a political candidate is because, they, they're, they're, uh, because they're pro-life. Yeah, but what if they're a pedophile? Amen. <clears throat> wow, it's really quiet in here today. I must not be as anointed tonight as I was last night. <laughs> Is this okay? All right, wonderful. So there's, so there's some people... That will establish doctrine. Uh, worship, worship people aren't those are going to be those people. Some of y'all, you like, well, pastor, I'd like a chance to preach. Well, not everybody should get up and preach because that's not for everybody. See, because some people wonder why we do the way we do here. Some people, you know what? Some people will come here and they'll they'll think that that there's a there's a lot of uh, they'll feel um, once once you start establishing the environment or that what some, what the fancy word that people have for it now is culture. Every church has a culture. Every family has a culture. Every person has a culture. We create an environment around our life and that environment is a, is a, is established sometimes, you know, at a very young age, that environment ought to be developing all the time. We ought to be creating a culture or an environment in our life that will facilitate what God wants to to do in us and through us. Um, culture is extremely important. You shouldn't shy away from the word culture. But here's the thing, you know, destiny, you have to consider your destiny. You don't choose your destiny, you discover your destiny. So once you start discovering what your destiny is, you need to start creating a culture in your life that will entertain that destiny, that will facilitate that. Um, if it's... Uh, um, all right, so let me, I'm not going to get into that. So, um, a church will create a culture, an environment. At Winner's Church, there's an environment here at Winner's Church. If you're new to Winner's Church, uh, sometimes it can take you a while to learn how to navigate the environment. And some people, they get uncomfortable. Do you know that's exactly why Tyler's in the position that he's in? Some of you are going to learn something today. We intentionally put Tyler in the position. What, what, Tyler's, what Tyler and Ayla's, um, I, I'm not leaving you out, Ayla, I promise. Um, what Tyler and Ayla's uh, responsibility is, they, they have a gift. They're, they're ministry gifts. But they have a responsibility here at Winner's Church. Their responsibility, what they're in charge of is what we call connections. Yeah. 
Now, some of y'all don't know that. It was, it was intentional that Tyler and Ayla called you. It was intentional that Tyler and Ayla established a line of communication with you. It wasn't a manipulation. It was intentional because you know what we, we figured out? We figured out it's very difficult for people to assimilate to our church or to any church. When you're introduced to an environment or a culture that you're not familiar with, uh, sometimes if you, don't, if you don't develop a rhythm and, uh, and learn how to flow with that, with that uh, environment or with that culture, you can, you can feel intimidated, you can feel misunderstood, you can feel uh, uh, like an outcast, like a misfit, you can feel as if you, you're, uh, there's no place for you. And so once we identified that was going on, we began to pray and ask the Lord, and the Lord gave us this idea, uh, and it, was, it came out of the Spirit to have a ministry that we called Connections. Now, several people tried to do that ministry, and it wasn't until Ty and Ayla came along that we realized that there was a grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Listen, those of you that have dealt with Ayla and Tyler know that they have a grace. They, 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 the, the reason why you feel so welcomed is not because they are the most welcoming people. Now, I'm not, I'm not being ugly. It's not that they're the most welcoming people. It, this is not their, uh, you know what? If Tyler had his rathers, he'd rather probably not do connections. He'd rather do something else. But he heard the call. Ayla heard the call. They both are developing the, 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 uh, uh, the anointing in the spirit. And so um, it's their responsibility to help you all to navigate the culture. Here's what they don't do. They don't tell you, they don't hand you a set of rules. Some of you have come to them and wondered, what are the rules? And you know what they tell you? You know what? Just be led by the Spirit. Let the Holy Ghost show you what to do. It's all right. It'll be all right. Well, I feel like I made a mistake. Well, you know what? You're going to make them. It's all right. See, that, that's the culture of our church. The culture of our church is, um, the culture of our church is this. It's you're going to learn by trial and error. When, when you run into the electric fence and, you, and, it, and it knocks the fire out of you, just don't do it again. You know what I'm saying? If you feel a little, if you feel a little, a little tinge of discomfort when you, when you start, if you're, if you're talking to Hilda and you're like, man, my back is killing me and you feel uncomfortable, like maybe you said something wrong. Maybe you ought to think about what you said. Because Hilda now, used to be Hilda would just say, well, you have what you say. I reckon you're going to die then from your back. You know, the Bible says, <laughs> the Bible teaches, the Bible teaches that you have what you say. And so you can expect to die any day now. Sucks for you. Glad you were with us as long as you were. I mean, Hilda was rough there for a while. She, she'd be like, you, you'd say something like, man, I'm broke. Well, you have what you say. Too bad. <laughs> Nowadays, Hilda will just look at you and be like, well, I'm praying for you. But you might not, you know, and some of us have done that. Some of us. 
some of us that are maybe you're new to Winter's Church, you come and you're, you feel that little tinge of discomfort. You're, uh, you know, you know what's happening is is that you are, you are, you are, uh, you're coming into a culture that maybe doesn't agree with the previous culture that you came from, and so you're navigating it. Well, here's the feel. Here's the deal. Um, you n not properly navigating the culture and the environment that was established here at Winterstreet, that's not, that's not a, a deal killer. There's a reason why we do things the way that we do. There's, there's a reason why people aren't uh, uh, quick to get up and give a tongue in an interpretation. It's not because I discourage it. But I encourage people to, that if they're going to give a tongue and an interpretation, that it be anointed by the Spirit. Amen. Now, you know what? There may be a time or two that you do it that it's not anointed. The problem is, is that we want to be anointed. And so we'll lay back and lay back and lay back and lay back to a fault. And won't step out to a fault until I'm gone. When I'm gone, everybody's, everybody's in. When I'm gone, everybody, everybody's it. Everybody's like, now's the time. But, but if I'm sitting right there, y'all are like, Wee. and that, you don't misinterpret that. It's not, be, it's not because I'm looking around going, you better be sure. No, bless God. I'm like, get out there. Amen. Do what you're going to do. Make a mistake. This is the best place to make it. Amen. But pay attention. Pay attention to the boundaries that you run into. There are boundaries to the gift and the grace of God that's in your life. There are some things just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. There's some things I can do, but I don't do it because I know I shouldn't. I, I, I try to function in the boundaries of the grace of God. You know, I could prophesy over, over people every day. I could just start prophesying over y'all right now if I wanted to. But I have to, con <laughs> but see, I have to consider, should I be doing that? And I know there's lots of churches you can go to where if you want a prophecy, you're going to get one. You're going to get one whether you want one or not. Some people, they'll go to places where they're, you know, uh, you know, uh, we could, we could cast devils out of people regular. The question is, should we be doing that? Or should we be casting devils out of the people that the Lord instructs us to cast devils out of? Because I, I tell you, there's some churches, there's some services you go. In fact, you can go to the movie theater now. And and these these folks on the screen, they're they're talking to they're talking to a camera. They're not talking to anybody. In, and you know what they go to doing? Every evil spirit, every demonic stronghold. Every, our, just because we can rebuke every spirit and... and are y'all hearing any of this? You know, Jesus, Jesus didn't go around making generalizations. When, when Jesus, in fact, when Jesus was around, remember when, remember when Lazarus died? Y'all remember that story? Lazarus died. Uh, he was sick. They came to get Jesus. Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death, but unto the glory of God. And then he waited around for four days and Lazarus died. Then he told his disciples, he said, let's go see Lazarus. And they, and they're like, well, uh, Lord, you know, uh, uh, they tried to kill you over there. And he's like, yeah, but he's asleep and we need to go see him. And they're like, Lord, if he's sleeping, let's not bother him. Let's let him rest. And he's like, idiot, he's dead. 
Of course, I'm giving you the Ziggy-fied version again. But uh, he's dead. And, and so they all said, well, let's go die with him, you know. They tried to kill Jesus there, just, you know, not too, too far from that. So Jesus shows up. He shows up, and, of course, he has this dissertation with uh, Lazarus' family. But then uh, there's a moment where he, uh, where he gets in front of the tomb of Lazarus. And what does he say? He says, Lazarus, wake up, come forth. Notice that Jesus didn't make a general, Jesus didn't go in there and generalize. Jesus didn't say, all right, those of you that are here, that hear my voice, I command you. Listen, every, every grave in every tomb in that cemetery would have been, in fact, I think that probably there was some dead people that was hoping that he wouldn't, that he would be general and not be specific. Had Jesus just simply said, come forth, who knows what would have happened that day. That would have been a whole different story. You understand what I'm saying? But Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Because just because he could raise dead people didn't mean he was going to raise everybody. Amen. Peter and John going into the gate beautiful at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. There was a certain man that was laid there every day at that gate of the temple uh, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked alms of them. Now listen, that man wasn't the only sick man at the temple. In fact, you go to that same temple today, if you, of course you can't go there, I don't think, but anyway, but if you were to go to that same temple today or go to, go to any temple, any place of worship, there are always needy people at the church, always. There are, there are always people that are there that are looking for a handout, that are looking for help, that are looking for ministry. That person wasn't the only person there that was looking for ministry. There was all kinds of people there looking for ministry. It's like Jesus at the pool of Bethesda. There were lots of people at the pool of Bethesda. But Jesus didn't look at everyone at the pool of Bethesda and say, be thou healed. He went to one man. Just because he could heal everybody didn't mean he should heal everybody. Are y'all hearing any of this today? Peter and John, just because they could have ministered to all, everybody that was at the gate of the temple, they ministered to the one that the Spirit of God drew them to. They were led by the Spirit. Amen. Bible says one time Jesus was preaching, he was ministering, there was a bunch of Pharisees, Sadducees, wouldn't sees, and couldn't sees. And while he's preaching, the Bible says the presence of the Lord was there to heal them. Do you know not one of them people got healed until four people dug a hole through the ceiling, through the roof, lowered a man down, and Jesus healed that one individual. The presence of God was there to heal everybody, but Jesus healed one. Now, are y'all hearing any of this? Amen. Amen. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be. I don't, I don't have any notes, so I'm not following anything. I'm, I'm just following the Holy Ghost here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So there's a, there's a, there's a, there is a weight of, uh, there is a weight of responsibility that comes 
we, 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 have, a, we have a responsibility. And, and that's, that's, what, that's one thing I think we teach. That's a part of the culture of our church. Once, once you, you establish a culture, you don't really have to communicate that culture. People will figure it out. People will come in and they'll know. You know what? Uh, we, we went, when we were in Puerto Rico, we went to a uh, five-star steakhouse that was at the resort that we were staying at. We did not have to, you, do you know that they didn't have to hand me a piece of paper that had the rules for me to know that I probably shouldn't show up to this restaurant in swim trunks and flip-flops? I think it would be mildly inappropriate to go to a five-star steakhouse. Why? Well, because the fact that they're five-star means they've established a certain culture. Now, and this, this, this speaks to this generation. We are sitting in this steakhouse. I wore the nicest shirt that I brought on vacation. I wore the nicest britches that I had brought on vacation. I wore the nicest apparel that I had. Everyone, nearly everyone did. But then all of a sudden, while we're sitting there, the maitre d', I see the maitre d'. If, if, if the restaurant has a maitre d', it's a fancy place. And he's there, and I see him talking, and all of a sudden we see this group of people come in. It's an entire family. It looks like the, the only thing they don't have is the floaties that they had at the pool. The kids are in flip flops and swimsuits. They're walking in. The, the parents are in their swimsuit. All the woman has is a, is a, is a bathing suit cover on. And they come into this restaurant. And I look at Annie, and I was like, now, I wasn't looking down at these people. I told her, I said, I don't think they got the memo. I, I, and, I, that, and then I figured out that's probably why we saw the maitre d'. These people are about to get kicked out of a five-star restaurant. And you know what? Sure enough, the maitre d' comes over and says, we're going to have to ask you all to, we're, we'll, we're willing to put your reservations off for a little while. I mean, I'm, of course, I'm listening in on the conversation. I'm, I'm like Mary at the marriage supper in Cana of Galilee. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phone, phone is recording. But the maitre d' says, we're, we're willing to have you come in. We'll, we'll postpone your, your reservations. You can come back, but you'll, you'll have to go and change because the dress code is, you know, uh, resort, uh, what was it? Resort um, casual, at least. And uh, you, you, you have to have a collared shirt. You don't have to have a tie, but your shirt has to at least have a collar. And if you don't have a collar, it's got to be a super nice shirt. And, you know, you can't wear flip-flops. You can wear shorts, but they can't be gym shorts or swimming trunks. They're going to have to be a golf short, a dress short, something of that nature. You can't come in here in flip-flops. You're going to have to, uh, and it was clear, and it was on there. Uh, your, your toes have to be covered by whatever shoe it is that you're wearing. Uh, yeah, the kids were barefoot. Anyway, this guy, this guy begins to raise a stink. Well, what? My money's not good enough for you? Sir, it has nothing to do with money. 
See, what we, what we have to be careful that we don't do is that when we go to a church that we assume that somehow or another they're insulting us because of the culture that's in that church. It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the call of God. It had, whatever culture you create in your life, it, it will accommodate some and it will resist others. There are some people that they're not going to hang out with me. And there are some people I'm not going to hang out with them. It's not that I hate them. When we get to heaven, we'll eat on the same table. We'll drink out of the same cup. We will dance the same dances with the same Savior. We will rejoice and we will sing the same songs. But we will not probably do anything here on earth together. Because maybe... Our cultures and the culture that God has called us to create in our life and in our ministries clash. If you're not a tither, you're not going to be in leadership in this church. Not because you have to pay to play, but because I don't want that curse. Working in people in our church. I don't, I, don't want, I don't want someone in leadership that is openly, purposefully resisting a doctrine that I believe that needs to be established in this church because I want our church to, to prosper and to increase. Are you welcome to come to this church and not tithe? Absolutely, but you know what? You're going to hear preaching on tithing that's going to make you uncomfortable. Because it's a part of what I believe is a, a, the uh, fundamentals, the ABCs, the one, two, threes of being a Christian. Okay. Paying your tithe teaches you how to be obedient to God in areas of your life that you think are insignificant. Well, I, I go over there and they talk about tithing and I, I don't agree. Well, here's the deal. You can hang out with us. We will love you. I will pray for you. If your kids are in the hospital, you don't have to tithe for me to go visit. I, I usually don't visit the hospital anyway. But if, you know what? If the Holy Ghost told me to go to the hospital and visit you and you weren't, you weren't and your family weren't tithers and offering givers, I'm going to go. Whether you're, I don't go and check the tithing roll to see if you're paid up before I visit you, before you get a phone call. All, the altar calls we have at this church, it's not like if you're a tither, you can come forward. I'm going to pray for you. But if you come to me and you say, Pastor, I just don't know what's going on in my life. Our finances, are they're coming to take our car. They're coming to take our house. Man, we can't feed our kids. It, it's just terrible. I'm going, we're getting ready to go through, but the things are bad. You know, the first thing I'm going to ask you is, are you a tither and an offering giver? Pastor, I just told you I don't have no money. Aha! You don't have no money because you ain't doing right with your money. How can you expect to do good financially if you don't do what God commands you to do financially? Now, is it easy to do? No, it's not easy to do. But you're going to hear it. Amen. You're, if you're a homosexual, if you are gay, you are welcome to come to this church. We would love for you. In fact, I would love for you to come and bring all of your friends. 
but, do you, but there are going to be times that I'm going to preach messages that are going to make you uncomfortable. Because although I love you, I don't agree with your lifestyle. Do you know it's okay to not agree with someone's lifestyle and still be able to get along with them? We do it all the time. <laughs> I remember I was talking to uh, one of Shelby's wonderful, wonderful friends, and I consider her to be a friend of mine. But Lindy, one day we were talking, and she and and uh, I was talking to her, uh, and um, I had said something from the pulpit, something about homosexuality, and she is a proponent of uh, what do they call it? Uh, um, inclusiveness and y'all know what I'm saying anyway Lindy I still think Lindy's a member of this church honestly I mean I never she hadn't come in a bit but I, she hadn't joined nowhere else so she's still a member of this church <laughs> but she thought you know people ought to have a right to, if they if they uh, if they uh, have a same sex attraction, they ought to have a right to love whoever it is that they love. That was that was her idea. I mean, kind of right. Am I right? I mean, that's, that's I think that's a pretty accurate description. Now you know what that didn't. Okay, I get it. There are a lot of people that feel that way. That's not what the Bible teaches. How dare you? What do you mean? How dare me? It's just the Bible doesn't teach it. Well, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can hang out with you or be your friend. I don't even know if I want to talk to you. You know, I mean, that's how some people are. I'm like, well, you know, you don't agree with my lifestyle either. You think I'm fat? You think I eat wrong? You know, there's a lot of things about my lifestyle that you don't agree with. But I'm not. You know, I'm not breaking it off with you because you don't agree with my lifestyle. People have been telling me, don't, you shouldn't drink diet soda, Pastor, and mess with you. Well, it's okay. You know, I, you know I've, I did come to the place where I agree with that. But you know what? It took me a long time before I broke, broke off that diet soda. But we can, we can, Amen. I know you all thought this would be, you know, I know, you know, you all thought, you all thought we were going to come in here and talk in tongues and prophesy over one another about what God called us to do. That's what you, that's what some people thought. Some people thought we was just going to get in here. We was going to say, oh, now I know. Now I know. Instead, we're, we're learning the things that will help us to discover. See, I can't, I can't, if I tell you and you don't discover it, then you will go through your whole life. If I tell you what God called you to do, if I tell you what your purpose is, if you hear it from me through a prophetic word and you didn't hear it first and you didn't discover it on you, do you know Jesus, how many of you know Jesus knew everything? Do you know Jesus asked 400 and some odd questions while he was here on the earth? The man who knew everything asked 400 and some odd questions. Do you know why Jesus asked so many questions? Because he knew that people learn more through discovery than they do through someone teaching them or telling them. 
that people adhere to things when they've discovered it rather than when someone told them or taught it to them or whatever. And so, see, that's, that's what we're doing here in these meetings. I'm trying to get you to discover some things. Right. Amen. Amen. What you're going to discover is if you're part of Winner's Church, then a, a, part, a, 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 part, of, a part of what you're going to discover is that you're... I'm spitting all over myself. <laughs> that's what you're going to discover is if you sit too close, you're in the splash zone. <laughs> <laughs> it's like SeaWorld. You better bring a trash bag. <laughs> if Sharia had got a picture of that, it would have been on the next advertisement for Revival. <laughs> you notice how everybody else's pictures are so beautiful. They've got me with my mouth wide open. All I need is a hamburger in my hand, standing in front of a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's what I'm trying to create here because that's where I feel like the Spirit is leading us. I'm trying to get you in a, in a mode of discovery where you, where, you, uh, where you start to consider uh, things maybe that you've never considered before. You know, may, maybe it's not the way you perceive. Maybe you came out of churches where people were dictatorial, where people were overbearing, where leaders led with an iron fist. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, if, if, you don't, if you don't take some initiative, if you don't have some get up and go uh, in this church, you're, you're probably not going to do well because I don't, rule, I don't rule with an iron fist. You know what? We, uh, we have policy, but I don't lead by policy. In fact, sometimes I go against policy, and that, and that messes with people. That messes with people that are all about policy. We have policies that, so that people have some guidelines, but we deal with everything on a case-by-case -case basis. We're going to be led by the Spirit. Sometimes, sometimes you don't take and, and have someone sit out because they show up to church drunk. You know, Eric... When he first started coming to our church and he was our drummer, he was only our drummer at the time. But one day he rolled up in this church and he was drunk, not in the spirit. It was on spirits, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit. And he came up to me and he's like, Pastor, I'm just real sick. I'm like, boy, you ain't sick. I can smell it. I knew he wasn't sick, but you know when, you're, when, when, you're, when you have an addiction, when you have a chemical dependency... You think you're actually tricking people. And, and people know, you know, they know that that's not cologne. Oh, it's just my cologne. Your cologne smells an awful lot like Seagram 7. <laughs> that's really gross. <laughs> But Eric, he came in, he was, y'all yeah, know the story, some of you, he was drunk. I mean, you, some of you are on the worship team. And he was drunk. And, and he's like, Pastor, I just don't feel good. You're going to have to play the drums today. I said, I ain't playing the drums. I said, Eric, you're not sick. I guess I'm off the team. I said, I didn't put you on the team. I can't take you off the team. I didn't put you on. You got to take yourself off. You're going to be off. You're going to take yourself off. And there's ways you can get yourself 
off of the team. Just don't show up. Resign. But the Holy Ghost spoke to me. Now, you know what? In the natural, you know, we have a policy. We have a policy, don't we? Any leader in this church want to tell everybody what the policy is for drinking in our church? No drinking or getting high. You're not, you're, not gonna, you're not going to be using substances and be a leader in this church. That's the policy. You're not going to casually drink. We're not going to do that. If you're a casual drinker, you don't have a place in leadership in this church. We, we don't do that. You say, well, I'm Brother Ziggy, that's, that's awful legalistic. No, it's because we're ministering to people who are addicts. And you can't minister to an addict with a drink in your hand. You're not going to be sharing a blunt with somebody who's struggling. You're going to counsel somebody and say, man, let's just, let's just break one out. You think Snoop Dogg's the pastor of this church? No. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a positive. Now, now you know what? Eric, Eric knew the policy, but you know what the Holy Ghost said that day? You know what the Holy Ghost told me that day, Rachel? He said, what he needs is behind those drums. I looked at him. Now it was was one time. This didn't happen every time. This was one time. I said, Eric, what you need is behind those drums. You need to get behind those drums. You need to play. What you need is the yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of God. That's what you need. I mean, this is before Eric could, could Eric couldn't even stay sober for two weeks. That dude couldn't quit. He couldn't not drink for two weeks. Some people have heard of Eric's, you know, that, some, that he is, um, what do they call it? A, relapse. Oh, he's had a relapse. Listen, I, I remember an Eric that couldn't keep it straight for three days. Go ahead, man. And so to me, there's hope. Amen. Now, you, you, the way you think about someone in that way, you, it, it, your, your thinking changes. You, you, adjust, you adjust how you deal with people based on how they act. Now, listen, I'm not saying we put our heads in the sand. You understand? But the Spirit of God told me that day to put Eric on the drums. I'm almost done. So you know what? We threw him on that. Not on that. Not to that part. So we threw him on the drums. Do you know that day he played better than he'd ever played before? You know, I almost wanted to tell him to drink every Sunday. But then, wait, no, no. no I, didn't. I wasn't even tempted. I'm playing. But no, he got up there and he played. You, you know, I, I, told pe- I, I, I told people that, and their people said, I would never have that on my platform. That's, see, because there's some people, they're, they're strict to policy. But we're not, we're not we, we have to be led by this. That's the, that's the culture of our church. And, and guess what? You may get dealt with different. You come drunk and we might be like, you need to go home. 
Well, you let Eric play. Well, Holy Ghost said, go home. Well, I have a word. Lord says no. <laughs> we're going to take it on a, we're going to take it on a case because we're led by the spirit. We're led by the spirit and the spirit may say someone's deliverance is amen. Praise God. And we've had some strange things happen in this church in one of our remnant meetings. <laughs> We were having this meeting, remnant meeting. <laughs> it just happened to be a day that I wasn't there. And I gave, the, I gave it over to Miss Rhonda. <laughs> Miss Rhonda was pumped up. She's like, she's like, I get to lead this. I'm, I'm excited. I'm leading a remnant meeting. She had no idea. The, the house we were having it in was a single mother. She had a couple of kids. Not none. <laughs> No, this person's no longer with us, and, and I'm not talking to make them look bad. It's not. I, I, in fact, I would love if, if this person came back because I love her. I saw her, I saw her not too long ago, and I, I told her as much. I said, you need to come back home. She was like, what are you talking about? I said, Winter's Church. I said, you need to come back home. I, I told her that, Ms. Rhonda. She looked at me like, I might. I'm like, you should. And bring George with you. Because I never could get that guy's name right. I know it's not, but I could never, I could never remember. I could never remember. Harold, Harold, somebody. Anyway, so um, let's not say his name. Um, but uh, anyway, they're, they're there for remnant. This is a single mother. And all of a sudden, a man walks out of her bedroom in like a bathrobe. And he is... We have remnant meet. This is a church meeting. Maybe, maybe y'all don't know the policy. The word of God makes no provision for you to jump into bed with anyone that's not your husband or wife. There's no, there's no provision. If you get the itch, get married. Well, praise God. Now, 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 let me now let me say this. I know, I know that people are going to fail. Now, see, now we're getting into something. Look, people are like Josiah, close your ears. <laughs> Where's your headphones, Josiah? Um. Amen. But you know what? Um, if you're going to fail, don't do it at a remnant meeting. <laughs> don't do it at a remnant meeting. Don't. Like Gabe said, Dad, no, nobody wants their pastor to roll up on them while they're sinning. <laughs> I, I was about to roll up on someone that was, they had a vape in their hand, and Gabe's like, I said, hey, I'm going to go say hi, that's so-and-so. Gabe's like, don't do it, Dad. 
I said, why? He's got a vape in his hand. I was like, well, that's all right. I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't vape or anything like that. I wouldn't do that, but I mean, that's not a deal breaker for me. Yeah, but dad, no one wants their pastor to roll up on them while they got a vape in their mouth. Because some people are like, I don't see anything wrong with it. Then why do you feel bad around your pastor vaping? Everybody hides it. Everybody does. Amen. It's a culture. Yes, there's a culture. <laughs> Marissa's loving this. She's like, dear God, this is my church. <laughs> and it's not, it's not a condemning. Y'all know that. Listen, I've gotten up in some of y'all's cars when y'all was smoking still. You were still struggling. You didn't want me to get up in your car. Heck, I got up in Cherie's car. I was like, Cherie, I'm going with you. She's like, you want to come with me? Yeah, I want to come with you, Shree. I get in. She's like, hang on a minute. She pulled a tube out. I was like, I was like, Shree. I said, I didn't know you played the kazoo. Why don't you join the worship team? She's like, it's not a kazoo. It's a breathalyzer. <laughs> All the way to our destination, she'd have to, she'd be talking to me, hey, Pastor, and boy, she'd really be talking, and then she'd be like, there'd be like a beep, she'd be like, hold on. <laughs> I loved it. I Listen, I sat there, I said, this is my church. <laughs> we're working it out you're working are you working it out see these things that qualify you for a deacon or for a overseer some of you look at that you're like it's impossible amen with men it's impossible but not with God for with God all things amen amen so when you're, na when you're navigating the waters of, because some of you are like, how do I get in? How do I get on leadership team? You don't want on lead. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now. If you don't belong on leadership team, you do not want to be on leadership. You're going to hear stuff you don't want to hear. You're going to know stuff you don't want to know. I'm going to say stuff that you ain't going to want to listen to. People would walk in here, see us in that room back there. They're like, oh, to be on leadership. Then they had their shot, and they're like, dear God, how do I get out of leadership? <laughs> May I resign? And listen, once you get on, it's hard to get out. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. Some of you are like, no. Yeah, no, listen, once you get on... And you want to try to get, you, who, you know who you got to talk to to get out of leadership? By the time you get off the phone with me, you're like, I repent, Lord. I will forever serve on the leadership team at Winner's Church. Because <laughs> I remind you why you're doing it. 
Because you'll want to quit because so-and-so, so-and-so got interfered with what, what you were supposed to be. <laughs> Joe's never done this, but it'd be like Joe coming and saying, I came in and, and Anna was on the mixer board. And that, that's my station. And I'm, I'm just, I'm stepping down. I just can't, I can't handle this. Everybody and their grandmother touches this mixer board. And bless God, I'm the only one that ought to be touching it, Pastor. You know good and well. You're like, Joe, why are you doing this? Because you want exclusive rights to a mixer board? Doing this for the glory of God. Yeah, but people, see, that's why we're doing it is for people. Like, Joe, what if they got to touch a button to get your anointing? See, now, see, I'm just being crazy. But that's the kind of stuff you're going to hear from me. Because I'm, I'm, I'm going to be trying to, trying to get, help you to figure it out. Because there have been plenty of times I wanted to take my hands off the plow. That's the other thing, too. People are like, I'm just struggling today. I, I, I know I was scheduled to preach, but I can't. Well, you know how many times I get up here struggling? I'm sick. I can't preach. You know, how many times, you know what? Right now, my, my, I've got, I, maybe you don't want to hear this, but my stomach ain't doing all that great today. <laughs> For me, I know it's something I ate, but anyway. <laughs> no, you know what it was? That burrito this morning, son. Dear God, I got it out of a hot box at a gas station. Anyway, I may regret that later. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Tastes good. It tastes good. Boy. Uh, Rolades. Anyway. Um. <laughs> There's lots of, there's lots of, <laughs> to date, that is the best thing you have said, Charlie. <laughs> See, Charlie fits right in around here, don't he? <laughs> You know, we got, we've got, we, if we're going to, if we're going to discover, that's, that's a part of discovery. We've had at least one Salazar on leadership for the entirety of this church. I'm going to tell you something. You're going to get a ribbing from a Salazar. They are going to pick on you. It's the, it's their culture. It's their Listen, they have pictures of some of you all that they're just waiting. Listen, you all don't know it. You, you all, listen, Marissa, they got a picture of you sleeping and they can't wait to use it. They'll, yeah, come on now. See, she's like, I got a little something. I got a little something. But, but here's the thing. Some people like, well, it shouldn't be that way. Well, you know, uh, they're working it out. But what about you? How are you going to handle it? You going to wear your feelings on your sleeve? We're navigating these waters. Amen. Are y'all? Yeah. See, we, we have to be able to pivot. We have to be able to. Assimilate to the culture that God's called us to. 
and then make the adjustments necessary to accommodate what God is trying to get across to us by his spirit. Amen. Well, you know, today I think was just as good as yesterday was. But I will say this about the culture of our church, and, and it, it, is a, it is a very, the, the, it, was, it would seem to be a very loose structure, loose, but we do have structure here. Um, but we're going to be led by the Spirit. You're going to be challenged. You're going to be challenged because you're going to find there are people serving in a place of leadership one day and and the next day, they're not serving in a place of leadership. You're going to be like, what happened? Well, it changed. Things change. Well, I wonder what's going on. What for? Why? This ain't a beauty shop. This ain't a barber shop. This ain't where we go into. Some people will be asking me, you know, I kind of feel. Well, quit your feeling then. Follow Jesus. Love the Lord. Well, you know, I feel a certain way about so-and-so. Well, you know, you'll get over it. Jesus loves them. We ought to love them too. We may not like what they're doing, but we, we got to love people. These are things that will help you to discover where you, where you work, where you labor, where you put your hand to the plow. Uh, don't, uh, uh, don't ignore the signals that you're getting when you're kind of navigating the waters of the culture of, of this church. <clears throat> understand where the boundaries are. Figure it out. Those boundaries aren't there to hurt your feelings. Those boundaries are there for you to figure out where you, what, what, what your role is, where you're at. Amen. Amen. If you want to push the boundaries, get it. If you feel like the boundaries need to be pushed, push them. There's nobody that's pushed the boundaries farther in this church than Hilda and Cherie. They are constantly pushing. Constantly. And, you know, we've expanded as a church as a result. There, there are other people that have done it different times. Ayla, listen, Ayla, Ayla made me feel bad about my whole ministry. She's teaching at Healing Room. I'm coming to do her. I'm just being a good, nice pastor. I'm going to come here a little Ayla. Then she preached, she preached what take me three months to preach in ten minutes. I was like, man, I'm going to my office. Why now everybody's going to want me to preach that way, you know? Come on, pastor, just preach it. Like, hey, it's like, oh, no, oh, no. We got to put, we, sometimes we push the, we push the boundaries. Sometimes we push and we pushed in the wrong way. But then we, we reeled it back in. It was all right. Amen. Rachel and Brandon are a result of us pushing the wrong way. Thank God. Amen. Amen. But the Lord, he, ta he takes care of us. Any, any questions? Any questions about, I know this don't seem deep, but this will help you. I'm, I'm for real. This stuff right here is going to help you in the, in the, one day you're, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to be in a time where you're going to be like, you're going to remember this night. And you're going to be like, thank you, Lord. I don't even know why I went to that meeting, but now I know. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Any questions? Any questions on anything, anything that we've been covering? All right, Marissa, you got to get the microphone. Um, I would like to know, um, I've had a few discussions with 
couple people that <laughs> get offended, or not, I don't sit, no, it's not offended. They get mad because I call you and Pastor Annie my man and woman of God. <laughs> and they said, no one should ever be a man of God or a woman of God to you. That's better. And I just shut up. But what, I want to know what I can say back to him to shut him up. Uh, tell him shut up. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't tell him that, Marissa. Because Marissa, she will. She'll be like, my man of God told me to tell you to shut up. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, I was Marissa, I was actually Marissa's youth pastor when she was 12. She came into the youth group as I became a youth pastor at a church. And so she grew up uh, in youth ministry with Annie and I. And when she found out we started this church, she moved from Virginia to come to be a part of this church. And uh, so anyway, and Marissa, this is what's crazy. I'll tell you all this because, you know, Marissa's exactly the same as she was when she was 12. Only she's just in an older body. <laughs> And I love it. I love it. I love it. Marissa, I love you. You know I do. Marissa's awesome. <laughs> but, uh, you know, pe people have trouble with that because when you call someone your man of God, your woman, what they, what they think you're doing is you're putting too much of an importance on those individuals, that you're elevating those people. But you, listen, folks, I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry that people feel that way, but we, we need to honor those people that God put in our lives. Now, listen, if you're around somebody and they got the big head and they're, they're being dictatorial and they're, listen to me, please, y'all, just for one more second. If you're, if you're serving in a, in, a, in a church or under ministers or under ministries that they're, that they're dictatorial and they're, they're overbearing and, and that, unless the Lord really instructed you to be there, you probably need to get away from that. Unless the Lord told you to, because you know, God will send you to people that way sometimes. God will send you to some people that, that they're, they're, you can follow their faith, but you can't always follow their example. You can't always follow their doctrine. So that's why people do that, Marissa, because they, they think that you're putting an unhealthy, uh, you're, you're looking at someone in an unhealthy way. But you know, you know better. You know, you know that you're following me as I follow the Lord. I mean, you're the one that when I, when I was kneeling down at the hangar and, and I had a tennis elbow and I said, man, my elbow is killing me. You're like, well, Brother Copeland said. <laughs> I mean, you're not, you're not afraid to talk to me. You know, we're, we, we can be, I'm your pastor and I'm your man of God, but you can tell me anything. And I can tell you anything. I'm not afraid to tell you anything. You know I'm not. And, uh, and you know, if I say something to you, it's not to hurt your feelings. I, I say things to you because I love you. You say things to me because you love me. You weren't trying to hurt my feelings. What Brother Copeland said. You know, I could have got all haughty and been like, well, Brother Copeland, I, I ain't Brother Copeland. <laughs> Let's God, you better, you better jump back right now. Uh, you better recognize, amen. No, that wasn't how that was, you know. I, I was just like, well, thanks, Marissa. It's Pastor Appreciation Month, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I wouldn't pay it no mind. You know, just, you, you got to expect that, from, especially from a, from a culture and from a society that has no respect uh, for 
the men and the women of God. At one time, men and women of God were honored. That's, that's long gone. And, and it's because of foolishness. If there were more people that stood for integrity and character and weren't just about, you know, prophylying over everybody, then uh, it, would be, it would be good. But it's unfortunate. Yes. Microphone. Hello, everyone. I'm Sister Carolyn's friend, Shalomar. Yes. Your baby's getting so big. I was just looking at your baby. Uh, so my husband's grandma, um, she's a real, real big woman of faith. And uh, just last week, someone else I was talking to was just telling me, because uh, my spiritual mother is a prophet. Mm -hmm. And my husband's grandma was like, prophets ain't around no more. And you gave the answer to it, but I just... I, I was writing stuff down, so I didn't get all of it. So I was okay. wanting you to repeat that. Yeah. Again. In, in Ephesians, it says he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And the purpose that he gave those gifts is mentioned in the following verses. It's for uh, Ephesians chapter 4, and that starts around verse, uh, what is it, 11? Is it 11? Is it? Pull it up, Joe, will you? Yeah, I'm going to tell you something. Joe flies under the radar, but he's an important part of this church. I, and I, it's verse 11. It's verse 11, Joe. Yeah, Joe and Jess back there, listen, if they weren't here, that back there would be falling apart. You understand? I love y'all. You guys are crazy. You guys are crazy. Uh, see, that's, that's what you got to put up with when you're in leadership team. <laughs> Listen, you don't want to show up late to a leadership meeting. Oh, my gosh. All right. And, uh, and I just sit there and just wait. Anyway, he gave some apostles. He gave, and, and he gave the apostles. He gave the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Next verse. Here's why he gave them. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Next verse. So to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, to build up, to edify the body of Christ. So um, that's why he gave those ministry gifts. Now, <clears throat> those ministry gifts are going to function until we all attain the unity of the faith. That ain't happening and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We've not, we've not achieved that. And so because of that, ministry gifts still have to work. If, if, now, if we, if we were all of that, then um, that mature manhood in King James says, unto a perfect man. But uh, now if we had attained that, then... There'd be no need for ministry gifts. But we're always, there's always going to be someone who needs, there might be some people that, that measure up to this, but uh, I, they really don't. But they might think they do. But then you get somebody come in here that just got born again. And they have to achieve this. So you know what? They need ministry gifts. All of them. So this will always continually be forever until Jesus comes back because no one will, there'll always be people that don't measure up to this. Right. So they, they do not have to go to prophet school or apostle school 
are working in the gift, that's No, you know, the only way to be an apostle or prophet is if you've received the call of God to do that. Now, I know that we're living in a strange time, and there are people that are going to the apostle School of the school. Prophets and yeah. going, they're being given certificates and, and being, you know, swords are out and they're wearing robes and there's <laughs> pomp and circumstance and they're being... Uh, ordained and, and anointed as a we can't call just you you can you can t you can put yourself in a pan stick yourself in the oven and call yourself muffins that don't make you muffins you're either called of God or you're not called of God either the Lord has called you to be a prophet and again the 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 way you identify people who are in those offices is not that they prophesy. It's not that they, if someone is truly a prophet, they will first be a preacher or a teacher of the word of God. They will not get up and just tell stories. They will not just get up and give testimonies. They will not just get up and be like, thus says the Lord, yay, and then go to prophesy. That's, that, that, is not, that, that is not what marks an individual who is a prophet. That's not what does it. They will be a preacher and a teacher of the world. The word, they will give oversight to the church. They will, uh, they will help the body of Christ to become everything God wants them to be, apostles. The apostle gift is not a management gift. It's not a gift where they come in and manage the church. An apostle will help you to discover your gift and mobilize you into your ministry. If you're associated with an apostle, they will mobilize you into what God called you to do. They will not just tell you what God called you to do. They will mobilize you into getting it done. So, yes. So that's like discipling, discipleship, basically, is what you're saying. Yeah, there, there is an aspect of discipleship uh, to it. Yes, but but someone who is called who who is called to be a prophet, it's a call. It's it's something that's uh, given by God from the Lord, and it not won't always be recognized by man. Um, by by like if you if you throw me in the mix of of people that are in the prophetic stream or the apostolic stream, they are not going to recognize me as an apostle or a prophet. You know why? I haven't gone to all the meetings. I haven't read all the books. I don't hang around all the right people, and I don't act the way that they act. But if there's any office that I stand in, it's the Kenneth Hagin. He was a prophet, but most people in prophetic circles didn't recognize him as a prophet, but that was his ministry gift, was he was a prophet. Kenneth Copeland, I believe, stands in the office of a prophet. Um, there, there are different people that stand in these offices, but they're not recognized by those that are in that stream because they don't, you know, they don't clack sticks, you know, during worship. They don't wave flags and have people painting pictures at the, you know, at the altar, you know, because they don't embrace all that people call prophetic or apostolic. You know, what makes you a prophetic church isn't that you uh, say all the buzzwords and do all of the things that are associated nowadays with that ministry it's the anointing it's the anointing um, <clears throat> you'll preach and teach the word and then you'll prophesy uh, not prophesy just the simple gift of prophecy but you will be a seer and not just a seer you'll be able to interpret what it is that you're seeing by the spirit anyone can see stuff 
Not, any, not everyone can interpret what it is that they're seeing. For example, those people that saw that Paul was going to suffer in Jerusalem, they said, don't go, Paul. And then a bunch more came, and then the prophet said, this is what's going to happen to the man that wears this belt. He's going to be bound when he goes to Jerusalem. The prophet didn't tell Paul what to do. He just told him what was going to happen. He saw it. He interpreted what he saw. God didn't tell him what he was, tell Paul, don't go or go. Everyone around Paul said, don't go. Don't go. Paul said, I'm go. Not only am I ready to be bound, I'm ready to die in Jerusalem. The Lord has sent me to Jerusalem. Why are you making me feel bad? Because Paul understood God wanted him to go. But you know what? Those people that saw stuff and heard stuff, they, could, they didn't, you know why they couldn't interpret what it was that they were hearing and seeing? They weren't prophets. Oh, yeah. But prophets interpret what it is. They, they interpret what it is that they're hearing and seeing. They either know why God is showing it to them or they know enough to just tell what God is saying and not try to tell people what to do. Right. They, know, they know what to do with the word. So... Um, but, but people, you know, there are a lot of people, they like, I hear the Lord saying, you know what? I hear God say a lot of stuff. I know better than to tell everything that he's saying. God tells me stuff and I know good and well, he doesn't want me to share it. Being a, <clears throat> being a prophet is more about knowing when to shut up than when to talk. Being a prophet is knowing more about what to tell people and when not, to, it's more about when not to tell people than when to say something. Okay, so the Lord told me one time to tell these other people, <laughs> to tell these other people who was having a problem with their weight loss that maybe they should get on some kind of diet. They should try to get on some diet because exercising, uh, it would just be beneficial for them to get on some kind of weight loss program mm -hmm. because exercising isn't doing it. You're, you're overworking yourself, especially being so obese. And so I, and so and before I told them, I said, Lord, I said, I'm going to need confirmation to make sure this is you. And my confirmation song came on. So I was like, all right, so that's confirmation. So I told them, and then we were reading the word of God, and it seemed like everything they were saying was right. So what you're well, saying I would, is. Well, I would say, I would say this, just, just listening to your story and, and I'm, I'm only going to just brush this very briefly because I can't, I, we, we don't have enough time to get into it deeply. But one of the things we have to be careful of as, as believers is um, confirmation. Confirmation is definitely something that we look for. Um, the way we receive confirmation is something that I think people get out of whack. Some people think that they're getting a confirmation when, when in all actuality, what they're doing is they're putting out a fleece. And uh, you all remember back in the Old Testament, there was, uh, was it, who is it, Gideon? Gideon, uh, he needed to hear from the Lord, and he said, well, Lord, I'm going to put a fleece out, and if it's wet, then I'll know that this was you. So he put out this fleece, and, you know, he determined by either the dryness or the wetness of this fleece, and a fleece is just an animal skin. He knew by the wetness, the dampness, or the dryness of this uh, animal skin whether or not he was hearing from the Lord. Well, you know, you have to, you have to kind of weigh that out. That's Old Testament. And in, in, in the Old Testament, people didn't have the Holy Spirit living in them. 
we, we, people didn't have the Holy Ghost in them or the Holy Ghost upon them. In fact, the Holy Spirit was only upon the priests, the king, and the prophets. And so back then, people were led by the prophets. And God led people in different ways because they didn't have his spirit living in them. So we as God's people, when we get a confirmation nowadays, the kind of confirmation we need isn't one of, um, well, Lord, if you'll, you know, if this light will turn green right now, then I'll know it's you that wants me to do this. Well, Lord, if I see the number four seven times today, then I'll know. Um, you know, and some people will do that, man, you know what? I keep seeing the number three, the number three and three is the number, uh, you know, the Trinity and three is this and, and three, three. And you know, you know what the Lord said in a prophecy last night at the meeting that, you know, there would be three signs and all day long, all I've been seeing is glory to God. Well, praise the Lord, brother. Amen. I feel that, you know, listen, I'm, I hate to tell you this. That's not God. Because God, you know, you know, you know, when God talks to people, you know how he talks with words, just like you do. He says it with words. God uses his words. God don't need to God. You know what? You will never find the Lord. Giving us a message in Morse code. Do you know why? Because he wants to be clear about what he's saying. He's not hiding things. Yeah, so, but you know what? It's very appealing to us. It, 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 uh, it, uh, it scratches something in our nature to, 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 for there to be a little bit of mystery, a little bit of, you know, a little bit of intrigue, a little bit of espionage. We, we, you know, these are the, these, we, we like watching, you know, supernatural shows and we like the bump in the night and we like, these, but God, when he talks, he talks with words, he says, and we hear him. So, um, just based on your, your story, um, if, if, if the Lord is, if the Lord has told you to speak to someone about something, you know, I never assume that when God shows me something that he wants me to tell it. I always assume that he's telling me and that I need to make it a matter of prayer. And um, when I'm up here and I see the, the, the spirit of God on people uh, through the gift of uh, discerning of spirits, that, that, now this is becoming more unreliable. That is the way the Lord chose to speak to me for a period of time. And, but he's already told me, and I've told you all, he has told me that that season is coming to an end, which means I'm going to have to learn how to hear his voice in a different way than I've heard him in a previous season. But while that's how he was speaking to me, it served me well. But I have to be willing to move with the Spirit, not relying on what I've relied upon always in the past, but learning to hear and to interpret the voice of God in the way that he is speaking to me today. And all of us need to hear that. So um, we want to be careful that we don't assume that God is talking to us at, based on um, that, you know, uh, one time we were buying a BMW. It was the first three series BMW I bought for my wife. And we were financing it. And our credit was terrible because 
we had come through a real storm, but we had been believing the Lord and God had brought us out. We were walking in supernatural increase. We are, all our debts were being paid for. God was bringing us out supernaturally, but our credit score didn't reflect that. So when we went to purchase this, we had the money to purchase it. We had the means to be able to buy this car, but our credit was terrible. So it was one of those long, drawn-out kind of... Y'all, anybody know what I'm talking about? You got bad credit. You're, listen, you're not, you're not getting an answer today. We'll call you this week. Let you know how it goes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? See, some of you didn't think your pastor was ever there, but I've been there. I've been there. And so the next morning, Annie goes to work in a beat-up old rattle trap of a car. And, um, and I'm in bed... And uh, she set the alarm, and when the alarm came on, a song came on. There have been times in my life I've been wondering why It's here, the moment is now Got to decide You know This is it Make no mistake where you are. Well, you know, when I woke up, I felt good about that. I was like, this is it. <laughs> but you know, that was Kenny Loggins. That wasn't the Lord. <laughs> so we, 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 have to, we have to make sure that what we're doing, we're doing by the word of God. So if the Lord did tell you to speak something to somebody... Um, number one, the Lord's never, the, the Lord, if he, sh the Lord's almost never going to have you speak to someone that's not, that doesn't, that's not, that almost never, and I'm not going to say never, he'll almost never lead you to people that are going to reject what you say. If they have no respect for you or no reason to listen to you, then typically he doesn't send you to talk to those people. He'll send you to talk to people that you have influence over, but Again, there's exceptions to that. Every now and again, he'll tell you, send you to a stranger to say something they don't want to hear, and he's just, that's his last-ditch effort sometimes for those people. But it's not often that he does that. It's not often that he tells you stuff to tell people that's a rebuke. You know, very few times have I ever exposed anybody. But some people, all they ever do is expose, try to expose people. I'm exposing this. I'm exposing that. That's not, that's not typically how the Lord... The Lord's not wanting to expose you. He's wanting to help you. And most of the time, it don't help us when he pulls the curtain back while we're sitting on the toilet. How exactly does that inspire us to succeed? It doesn't. And so God will deal with us in ways that are helpful to us. It, it might be challenging. He might challenge us, but so there are lots of different ways we have to interpret the way that the Lord is talking. In the environment that we're living in right now, where you got lots of people that are, say they're prophets and apostles, now, again, I'm, that's, those are ministries that are in the church, but it has gotten so out of control and it's gotten so crazy that there are a lot of people that are in the ditch and don't really know. You know, a lot of people in the body of Christ don't know. We're not supposed to be led by prophets. We're supposed to be led by the Holy Ghost. If a prophet prophesies, we ought to have heard it in our own spirit before. That's the confirmation we ought to have is that we knew it in our own hearts. 
In fact, when you turn around and tell somebody something, it's something that they ought to know themselves. Yes. Not ba- it's confirmation isn't based on uh, some supernatural happening or something that, you know, some feeling or a fleece or that, you know, Mm-hmm. And if like if someone comes and tells if someone comes and tells me to say something, I'm going to say it, you know, no, don't rely on that. Rely on the Holy Ghost Amen. to speak to you. And, and uh, that'll be that that'll be good. Yes, Andrew. OK, so I have a question. So on the you know road to discovery of the calling. Right. If you believe that you've heard, um, you know, the call. Mm-hmm. Do you speaking of confirmation? Do you need like a confirmation as far as, you know, because I heard yesterday you talk about like the delusions of, right. you know, and so, you know, because I tend to be, you know, personally, I tend to be more, you know, on the emotional side. Yes. Of things. So sometimes I can, you know, in my mind, maybe think, I, I think I sometimes fall more on, you know, the delusional, you know, not delusional. Not, not delusional. delusional. You're, you're. You get your, what I'm the saying. nature of your gift relies upon your soul more. Sometimes than, more of a feeling rather yes. than th- it's that, hard to determine the, the knowing versus the feeling. That by itself ought to tell you something, though. Okay. That whatever it is that the Lord has called you to has to do with those, the, your soul. Yes. Well, you're a worshiper, Andrew. Yes. That is that is always going to be a part of the. You might work with kids, and that that's great. And what you're doing with the children is awesome, totally the Lord. But your purpose, I mean, it's over there. And see, confirmation. You don't need confirmation. You're gonna get confirmation. Most of the confirmation you want to get, you want to get from what's working in you. That's when I got, I got my confirmation when the Lord told me I was going to be an evangelist. It resonated in my spirit. I didn't even know what it was. I just knew it was right. And when I asked my pastor, my pastor said, you're not an evangelist. But he he wasn't talking by the spirit. He was just talking because he, uh, because I was crazy. But anyway. (laughs) But. Well, he he thought I was too emotional, too. He thought I was too um, radical. He thought I was too radical. So I was in the Mennonite church. And even though they were filled with the spirit, they weren't as radical as I was. And so, but it began to be evidenced. You know, you know, the first thing I, I should have known, Andrew, because the first thing I did after I got born again was I went and I got a Bible at the library. I learned John 3, 3, and I went to school because I didn't know how to tell people I got saved. I went to school with the Bible under my arm thinking they'll know if they see this Bible. And then when they see the Bible, if they give me a hard time, I'll just quote this scripture. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You must be born again. That's all I knew is that they, they must be born. You must be born again. They said, what does that mean? Yes, you get saved. You give your heart to Jesus. Uh, that when, they would, when they would resist, of course, I didn't know any better. I would act the way I did like I did in the world. I'd be like, I'll beat you till you see Jesus. <laughs> then I'll raise you back, and then you'll accept him. You know, you know what I mean? I was a Rambo evangelist. But, uh, 
But it was, it was already working. And it was later that the Lord said, I called you to be an evangelist. It works in you. You're, you keep gravitating toward that. You'll never get away from it because that's, the, that's a part of the main purpose to which God called you. That's your main thing. You'll do other stuff. But your main thing is that that's you, bro. And, and listen, you don't even have to work it too hard. It just works. Don't be disappointed. If you're, if you're even tempted, don't be disappointed. Because you know what? I was disappointed when the Lord told me uh, uh, discerning of spirits. I was very disappointed. But I'm so glad that he did that. Because now, I mean, 40 years later. Well, so the, the part, because I know that part. I know that call. Yeah. But recently, I've, I've believed to, there's been a, a draw, at least, for lack of better words, feels, you know, like there's been a draw towards teaching a little bit. And that's where I'm like, is there any of that there? Is it not? Is that working? Can that be, you know, because I don't necessarily feel like that's something. I think you're, I think you're confusing call with assignment. Okay. Because your call, your call is what your God-given purpose is. God created you for this purpose. But as you walk out that purpose, he gives you certain assignments. I had an assignment as an evangelist. I had an assignment as a prophet. I have an assignment here as a pastor of Winter's Church. This is my assignment. My call has never changed. Call has always been the same. God called me to walk in and, and to, at, at some point in my life, walk in every five-fold ministry office. That was my call. And, but my assignment changes over the my assignment uh, next month will be to go to, a, well, here. I'm still here. In Shawnee. My assignment will be in Shawnee. In February, my assignment will be somewhere else. Texas. Texas. Queen City. In March, Richmond, Indiana. So, you know, you have different assignments. You, you, will, you will. The Lord will. He'll, he'll, he'll lead you in different ways. Shree, right now, she's assigned at the detention center. You know, she really felt in her heart. She, I don't think she's told a lot of people that. She's taken maybe a couple people, but that's her assignment. You know, she feels like that's what the Lord's telling her to do. She goes to the detention center every Thursday. Is that right? Every Thursday. So, huh? A lot of people got saved. Yep, lots of people getting saved. So, you know, Sheree's fulfilling her assignment. You know, there, but you know what? Her call is to help me. Sheree, much like Ted, her assignment will always be, and, and, oh, and this is just the way that it'll be. And I'm, not telling her, I'm not telling her this. She knows this. Well, it's crazy. The Lord told me to both <clears> at the same time. She knows this, and so I'm not telling her something that she, we, she, didn't, she didn't know before I said it. But she'll always be associated with me somehow because that's a part of her call. That's, that's a part. Ted's call. Ted will always be associated. with. He's never going to be associated with Morris Cirillo. Well, Marcelo is dead. Um, Tyler, Tyler, and, and T there's not going to be an association of Tyler and Ted, other than they attend the same church and they're friends. But it won't be the same association that Ted has with me. I, I used to tell people this: Jesus said, "If you've seen me, you've seen the Father." I would tell people this: If you've seen me, you've seen Ted. And it's even still true now. People still, Ted hadn't traveled with me in a long time. And people where he's never been are like, they'll see Ted and they'll be like, you're Ted. Oh, yeah. Because Ted, that's, that's always, the, that's his call. It's his call. 
much like Marissa, I'm your man of God. I'm Ted's man of God. You know, people have given him a hard time because they're like, well, he's just a man. Ted's like, I know that. You don't have to tell me that. You think I'm crazy? I know that. I've, I had to stay in the same room with him. I know he's a man. He punched me in the arm. That's the stuff he'll tell you about, too. Yeah, one time, Brother Ziggy, he socked me right in the arm. He make it sound like he's in some abusive relationship or something. <laughs> men, you know, men, especially people that are like brothers, we do stuff like that. He, he won't tell you none of the times he busted my stuff, broke my chair, wrecked my car. And he won't tell you none of that. He won't tell you. He won't tell you none of that. None of the stuff he ruined. It was mine. He he won't get into. Now, Brad Percy, he punched me in the arm one time. It really, I left a bruise. Debbie said. Debbie said, tell him to quit, or I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get him. Yeah, yeah. You wait. I'm not. I'm not getting on you, Ted. I'm just messing with you. Me and Ted, we're we're brothers. We've been at this. A, we've been at this a long time. Oh uh, <laughs> But um, so you, you might get assignments and you just got to do the assignments. Um, be, pay attention to those things. But your call, now see that, that so y'all need to listen to that. Your call is what your God-given purpose is. God will give you different assignments throughout the period of, of your calling. All right, are we done? No, we, we're not done? One last one? one who? who? Who has a question? Quickly, because we, we've been getting out late, and I've been trying to get us out of here early. Okay, Pastor, due to Andrew and I being husband and wife. Yes. Going on five years, y'all. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that out there. That's five years longer than some people said y'all would last. Praise God. Amen. And I found him in Winter's Church. Amen. Right. Find I'll you a man him. at Winter's Church, glory to God. Amen. No. Um, <laughs> Hardly yeah, nobody get behind that, right? <laughs> Go ahead. How does it work being husband and wife? Like if God, like you and Pastor Annie, mm -hmm. um, can you break that down for me? Uh, uh, they'll there will there'll be times that the the primary they'll they'll be. This isn't I can't break it down right now, because um, it's going to sound like I'm a chauvinist. Men play a very important role in the kingdom. Um, I didn't say this. The Bible said it. Um, I believe that women should preach. I, I don't believe that women ought to keep quiet in the church. I don't believe anything. But I do believe that if God had his, had his ruthers, he'd rather use a man. Not because women are less than, but because of the way God created women. God created women for, when God created women, the Bible says he made them the weaker vessel. That doesn't mean they're not strong. It just means that he created them for something less, uh, uh, less uh, rugged than what you, thank you, Don. You're, I, I can always count on Don to help me with this. Uh, yes, they're more fragile and we are more rugged. Uh, we, uh, he built us to be able to endure uh, some things 
that he didn't want women to endure. Men can't, I know because women be like, well, we're strong. We push babies out. Listen, I understand that. We don't want to push no babies out. We don't want to do it. If we get a cold, we're done. You understand? But that was, that's a part of the thing that God created you for. You know, the, the bearing of children, the birthing of children, the rearing of children. Um, men, they, they play a role, but, you know, women are, when, you're, when our kids get, and I think this is true everywhere, when our kids get sick, it's not their daddy. They, they're not. When, when, when people, I shouldn't even bring up George Floyd. George Floyd was calling for his mother, not his dad. When people are in trouble, they want their mother. There's a, there's a role they play. I don't feel bad. When my kids want their mama, I don't feel bad. That's, that's her role. I play the role of the father. So um, in, a, in a marriage relationship, man, God called men to be the head of their household. That's, that's just what the, uh, to, to be the leaders, spiritual leaders of their home. That doesn't mean they should be dictatorial or, you know, overbearing, but they should lead uh, the way the Lord intends for them to. That doesn't mean women won't have a chance to lead. There are times when uh, women will have better ideas and better plans than a man. And that dynamic has to exist in the, in the marriage relationship. It's, it's extremely important that you recognize when, um, when God is speaking to a wife, you know, a spouse, and leading them in a way maybe that you, that you can't hear, you don't know. Um, if a man doesn't take his role in the, in the household like he should, then the woman should take that role. She'll feel gypped that the man doesn't step up and do it, but she should take that role. She should, she should do that. Um, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not, there's not, a, there's no harm, no foul. God, God will work with whatever he has. But if, if he had his way, if he had his way about it, then, uh, Men would be doing all the hard work, all the all the stuff that is rugged, um, and women would be doing the things that are fragile and the things they were created for. There, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't know why society has done what they've done, other than there's a devil loose. But, um, but like Aylan was asking me to teach on this particular subject, and I'm going to, uh, because I think it's important for us to hear it and to understand it, and I'll be better prepared to say it in a way that won't throw all your red flags up if you're a woman. Yep, I think, I think most women... Most women that did any kind of ministry like that, they felt the same way. I mean, it's just it's just one of those things. Uh, again, I'm not I'm not trying to be you know kind of weird. I, I remember we was in a one of our first Bible studies, and I made a comment just jokingly. You know, we read over that scripture: met women ought to keep silent in the church. And I and I I just everybody knew I was playing except for one woman that was visiting. And I said. So, you know, women, you know, you, you just need to be quiet in the church. God hadn't told you to do nothing. You're not supposed to preach, uh, you know, this and that and the other. I went on, man, this lady, she, she ruffled up, boy. She got mad. She's like, I don't agree. Uh, 
But anyway, I almost got my butt whipped that night. I told her I, I told her I was kidding, but she didn't believe me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She she just thought I was scared. <laughs> but you know, no, I think women. Ron is a fine preacher. Rhonda, get up here. She get in the Word of God. And she, listen, you're going to get the Word of God, Miss Rhonda, get up here. If that's all you get, you're going to get the Bible. She's probably, she be up here going after it, boy. Um, uh, Cherie is a preacher of the Word of God. I mean, she's, she's a preacher. Pastor Annie, she'll preach. Ayla, she'll, she'll, she'll preach and teach. Um, there are different ones in here. Remember Carolyn? Uh, you know, different ones that God, you know, he used y'all. To do that, so God will use women, but um, we in the in the when when you got Andrew who has a, you know this uh, purpose uh, to do worship, sometimes you can feel secondary. What's my deal? You know, Andrew get to do something. What do I get to do? Um, and then you start thinking along the same lines. What what role do, am I going to play in the church? What gift am I going to? Then you start trying to fit into something and. Sometimes that's an effort in futility because you're just pulling levers and pushing buttons. Um, one, of the, one of the best ways you can discover what God's purpose is for you is to play that role of, of support, being supportive. And uh, before Elisha became a prophet in place of Elijah, he had to lose his identity. And the Bible says that he, he wasn't even called by his name anymore. He wasn't even known by Elisha. He was the guy that washed the hands of Elijah. He lost his identity completely. But he became a prophet and received a double portion of the anointing that was on his predecessor. So the, assuming that role of, of support is not a bad thing. You, 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 in fact, it's a lot of times the way you really discover what, what God's purpose is for you. And, um, and then you, you get over there in a greater measure of the anointing uh, sometimes. But Ayla was asking me because she's like, I always feel like I'm, I'm really be playing a more supportive role. Even in the hospital ministry, I'm kind of just being supportive of, of what Tyler is doing because this is not, I mean, although I'm, I'm, I'm ministering to the sick, this is really, Tyler is really taking the lead role in this. I, I'm, and that's, that's really the truth. A Ayla is playing a more supportive role. And she definitely is gifted and anointed, and we're not taking anything away from her. But she, in her heart, knows that what she's doing more than anything is playing a supportive role to something that, that, that she knows the Lord is doing with Tyler. And, but when she gets up and preaches in healing room, Tyler's, the things flip. And then Tyler comes and he plays a supportive role. And so there, it's, it's, it's a dance choreographed by the Spirit. Um, we have to let the Spirit lead us. And we, 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 we do the dance with Him. And when we do that dance with Him, everything works out good. During revival, Annie was the, she was the leader. Y'all saw me stand right back here. She'd come up to me, she'd say, what do I do? I'm like, boy, I wish I could tell you. Y'all don't even know how many times we had that conversation. And I just put the microphone in her hand. She'd look at me like, you dirty rat. She'd get up here and just pray, praying that little sweet little tongue of hers. 
Well, but pretty soon, man, the fire of God come on her. And, you know, we, that's not something we're accustomed to. But I believe it's something the Lord really wants to do more of. And the thing about me is that I'm ready. Well, listen, when she started getting more assertive in our marriage, because, you know, I used to have control of the remote at my house. I remember the first time she took control. I changed the channel, and she was like, I was watching that. I hadn't heard that, and we was probably married 25 years before she said anything. Can you imagine that? 25 years being with me, she never said a word about she was watching that. She just watched whatever I would watch. And uh, I was like, you were? I said, well, can I change it? She's like, no. I was like, you go, girl. I hadn't heard that. I was like, say it again. I was like, come on now, mama. <laughs> of course, in a minute, she was like, no, nah, go ahead, babe. Because she's that way. Go ahead. You can turn. I'm like, no, no. Get assertive again. I like that. Pinch me or something. But anyhow. All right. Last. Yeah. TMI. TMI. Anna, did you have one? Well, yeah, you have real quick. It's got to be quick. I know everybody. Everybody's like this. <laughs> I thought these were going to be short, Pastor. Yeah. So did I. I will quit at eight fifteen tomorrow, and we'll have more time for questions. <laughs> Titus, be respectful. <laughs> I love you, buddy. Um, so my question was, I think it has to do just a little bit more with kind of what Andrew was wanting to ask maybe I don't know I can't speak for him but I'm um you had said the other day that we could ask you to confirm <laughs> our calling so my question was do I need to when do I need to do that do we one-on-one <laughs> -on -one or do I need to schedule this yeah, with you or like, something pastor that is my question like when can we do that I need confirmation <laughs> Well, Anna, you know, you know. I mean, you really do. I mean, you, you know, because you function. You, uh, you're, you're, you're definitely called to to a helps ministry, and your 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 uh, your calling is to serve. You know, you you're a, you're you you. I would I I wouldn't say that you're an armor bearer on the same level that Ted is. But that's really your that's really your deal. When you when when you step into that place of servitude, that's when you I think you shine the brightest and the Lord uses you the most. And I think probably the time that you're the most anointed. And it's not a it's not a minor role. It's not just a minor thing. So if I if I had to tell you what you the grace just by looking, watching your life and you know, I never and not that it wasn't it wasn't hard, but I think that probably the time that I saw you serving in the capacity that really the Lord had called you to the most was when you headed up temple and you weren't even supposed to head up temple ministry, but you couldn't not head it up, Anna. You couldn't not do it. You couldn't keep yourself from it because it's in you. But I, I do think that 
maybe it may have been a little premature. I don't think you were ready for uh, probably the uh, <laughs> the realization that <laughs> that not everybody has the same heart to serve as you do. And see, that's the that's the and that's that should that should be what was revealed to you in that was that that's what messed you up was that you had such a heart to serve and you couldn't figure out why other people didn't. Why are they so, why, why are they this way? Why is it so hard to get people to serve? This is, what's wrong with you people? Well, because your passion for what God gave you to do will be way greater than everybody else. Has passion. And, and that, that'll be the wrestling match that you have is you'll have to, you'll have to settle in your heart that not everybody's going to be as passionate as you are about it. And then you'll, you'll have to look at people with, through those eyes. Well, they don't have the same ideas that I have about this. This is in my this is in my D, my spiritual DNA. But I think that's why you've been reluctant to serve with that uh, in that with that kind of a commitment because I think it was shocking to your uh, to your natural man. But I think you've grown a lot, and um, I think uh, you're you're more ready now to move into your deal than ever before. So that's what I'll, that's what I'll tell you. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a help ministry. Uh, Ted, 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 hold, Ted, uh, how often did the Lord deal with you about praying when you was traveling with me and serving in that armor bearer? Every day. It's, it's a it's a, it's every day. It's every day. Ted Ted, he tell me regular. Even now, every, nearly every day. And I had a burden on my heart to pray for you, Pastor. I've been praying for you. I don't know what's going on, but I'm praying. That it comes with the it comes with the role. Prayer prayer is serving is the byproduct of the prayer. Serving, come, serving comes as a result of the prayer. You keep on praying, you pray a long time, you won't be able to keep from serving. I mean, it, it just, it, it's just one of those things that roll out of you. But yeah, you're, you're figuring it out. Amen. If, if there was anyone in this church that I think had a, 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 a gift that was closely related to Brother Ted, it's you. I don't, maybe not in that, in that same measure. But I think that what you what you have is very closely related to what Ted has carried in his life, honestly, and still carries. Yeah, Ted, Ted's still doing it. I, I I talk like Ted's retired. Ted's just in a different capacity. You know, Ted serves more here. He doesn't travel with me, so I see you know I see it different. And he knows he knows I. Ted, Ted's my brother. He's like he's he's a he's necessary. Ted's not Ted's not just a fixture. Ted is a necessary component. He is a, he is a giant cog in this church. He is needed. We don't just want him here. We got to have him here. Amen. Thank God you showed up a long time ago, Ted, and you couldn't get run off. Amen. Amen. Thank God, Debbie, you couldn't get run off either. Boy, the devil tried to run you off, didn't he? <laughs> 
Amen. All right, let's quit. Praise God. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for all that you've said. Lord, we love you. Continue to work with us. Continue, Lord, as we get here tomorrow. Uh, Lord, please help me to finish quick. Let me, give me the Ayla anointing.